Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit. Show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit coming at you on your community radio. 91.1 FM, community radio for Southern Illinois. My name is Tree Song, or is not in the studio with us today. He is off on another one of his solar adventures. I do have uh, my daughter Bedelia here as our special guest. If, if you do hear her for a bit, I may go to the music while we uh, tend to Bedelia. But she's in a pretty good mood right now, and I'm in a pretty good mood right now. That's because I haven't started reading the first news stories yet. But we'll get to some more good news, good times, after we get through some of the, the, the bitters pill to swallow in the first few stories. All right, so let's see what this first one is. Hurricanes will worsen as planet warms and sea levels rise. Major storms such as Hurricane Matthew, which has slammed into Haiti and is now headed toward the U.S., will grow in menace as the world warms and sea levels rise, scientists have warned. Hurricane Matthew is already feared to have caused seven deaths after it hit Haiti and the Dominican Republic on Tuesday, bringing 145 mile per hour winds, pounding rain and storm surges to coastal communities. Now, since finding the story, I've heard that there may have been uh, significantly more uh, casualties and displacements than that, but the news is still coming in. The Category 4 storm, the strongest hurricane to hit Haiti in 50 years, is expected to surge northwards toward Florida's east coast and up the southeastern U.S. coast by the weekend. It follows September's Hurricane Hermione, which was the first hurricane to hit Florida in nearly 11 years. While the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's prediction of a near-normal Atlantic hurricane season is still on track, scientists have pointed to Hurricane Matthew as Sort of the sort of fierce lashing that will become more common due to climate change. Now, that's part of what the concern is here. Is you know these sorts of storms have always happened, but one of the things that climate change may lead to is more severity of a certain percentage of the storms. There was previously far more certainty among climate scientists over the increase of temperature than over the trend in hurricanes, but government officials are now confident enough to say that there has been a quote substantial increase in Atlantic hurricane activity since the 1980s, with the destruction set to ratchet up further as the world warms. Quote, We expect to see more high-intensity events, Category 4 and 5 events, that are around 13% of total hurricanes, but do a disproportionate amount of damage, said Carrie Emanuel, a climate scientist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Quote, The theory is robust, and there are hints that we are already beginning to see it in nature.
Alright, in other news, removing CO2 from the air is our only hope of fixing climate change, a new study says. The only way to keep young people from inheriting a world reeling from catastrophic climate change is to reduce carbon dioxide emissions dramatically and immediately, according to a new paper. Not only that, but it's also necessary to aggressively remove greenhouse gas that's already accumulated. Quote, If rapid emission reductions are initiated soon, it is still possible that at least a large fraction of required CO2 extraction can be achieved via relatively natural agricultural and forestry practices with other benefits, the authors wrote. You know, so that means things like planting trees, doing agriculture a little bit differently to uh, to conserve the, the loss of such things. So here's another one. On the other hand, if large fossil fuel emissions are allowed to continue, the scale and cost of industrial CO2 extraction occurring in conjunction with a deteriorating climate with growing economic effects may become unmanageable. Simply put, the burden placed on young people and future generations may become too heavy to bear. Now, I'm interested to see this study because that's what one of my concerns for a while now is that it's increasingly looking like we're going to have to do a lot of drawing CO2 out of the air in order to prevent massive climate catastrophe. And if you keep it to a certain level and all you have to do is plant some trees, that's not too big of a deal. But the more emissions we put into the atmosphere, the more we're going to have to extract, which means that right about the time that these climate disruptions are getting worse and disrupting our economies, we're going to have to spend billions and billions of dollars on fancy new technology that we don't have yet to try to sequester some of this CO2 right out of the air. So the study, uh, the study's 12 authors, led by prominent climate scientist James Hansen, the former head of NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies, call for bringing atmospheric carbon dioxide levels down to levels not recorded since the 1980s. That's 350 parts per million, a long-standing goal of Hansen's. The level is now above 400 parts per million, which we talked about in a previous news story. It's up more than 40% since before the Industrial Revolution. Many scientists reckon that 450 parts per million is the safe limit to avoid the worst effects of global warming. But Hansen is trying to avoid, you know, he, he also has done some other studies that indicate some possible effects that are worse than the uh, IPCC projections. So that is part of why he is aiming for the 350 parts per million. The paper called Young People's Burden, Requirements of Negative CO2 Emissions, was published Tuesday in the journal Earth Systems Dynamics Discussions. It was written to support litigation by Hansen and a group of young people, including Hansen's granddaughter, seeking to force more ambitious climate action. And it's the latest in a string of scientific analyses showing that nations are far from reigning in dangerous warming, despite the imminent entry into force of a comprehensive treaty negotiated last year in Paris. The Paris deal aims to limit warming to 1.5 degrees or 2 degrees Celsius, in line with the 450 parts per million level. That would require bringing emissions to, quote, net zero, sometime in the second half of the century through a swift clean energy transformation. Any CO2 spewed into the air, be it from a coal plant, an SUV, or an airplane, would have to be completely offset or zeroed by increasing the growth of forests and other carbon sinks. But according to the paper, even a net-zero world wouldn't be enough to prevent burdening future generations with an impossible task. To attain Hansen's bolder goal, countries have to achieve negative emissions, 
by removing more accumulated CO2 from the atmosphere. So a more simple way of breaking down all of this science is that the longer we go without treating the problem, the harder it's going to be to solve the problem. It's the old saying of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's much easier to not emit massive, massive amounts of CO2 and methane and other greenhouse gases than it is to try to develop strategies and technologies to draw that back down once you've let it out. It's like trying to get the genie back in the bottle. in other news, end climate silence, the most important thing you can do to fight global warming. This one's an article about one of my favorite topics, climate communication. I often think about this since we do a video show where we often talk about climate and climate change. It's one of the major environmental news stories we cover. People often ask what is the most important thing they personally can do about climate action. The answer is both simple and hard. Talking about climate change and its solution with everyone you know a lot more than you're doing now. <laughs> the need to have more conversations about an uncomfortable subject is, I believe, one of the two crucial messaging lessons the climate movement can learn from the LGBT community. The other is focusing on the immorality of inaction. Even though, quote, two and three Americans are either moderately or very interested in global warming, public research, it's a public opinion research, finds that 70% of Americans, quote, rarely or never discuss global warming with family or friends. So there's a majority, a significant majority who are concerned, but they rarely discuss it with friends. The result, according to experts on climate communication at George Mason University and Yale University, is a spiral of silence in which, quote, even people who care about the issue shy away from discussing it because they are so infrequently here other people talking about it, thus reinforcing the spiral. The Yale GMU research confirms the media's climate silence. Under one in four Americans, that's just 22%, hear about climate change in the media, TV, movies, radio, print, and news websites, at least once a week. Most rarely do. If you tune into your community spirit on a regular basis, you probably hear about it about once a week. And then you probably don't hear it at all on the other media sources that you're listening to or watching. Politicians, by and large, don't bring up subjects people aren't talking about, and the media isn't reporting on, which just reinforces the spiral of silence. And it, it sort of leads to this, this bubble where you don't hear it on the radio, you don't see it in, on TV, your friends aren't talking about it, so you sort of think, oh, maybe it's not that big of a deal after all. But then once you actually talk about it and discuss the details, you learn what a concern it is. A decade ago, many progressive politicians ran away from LGBT rights, and some even credit John Kerry's 2004 loss to the issue. More than a decade later, we've seen a sharp upswing in public support for LGBT rights. Many factors contributed to that shift, but winning communication strategies and tactics were key. A central tactic was to get as many people as possible to start talking about LGBT issues. This isn't to say that climate change and marriage equality are exact analogies, since they aren't. They're two completely different uh, political concerns. 
but turning the issue around did require people to talk about an uncomfortable subject because it mattered to them personally. That's one of the things, too, is discussing how it affects us personally is another big one. Because people, it often seems so big and impersonal, and we think, oh, uh, how are we going to do anything about this? What does this mean to my life? But talking about how it affects us personally is a good way to uh, break the climate silence. And also talking about the, they discuss the concept of a moral imperative here. We often talk about the economic benefits of switching to renewables, for example, which it's great that there are a bunch of economic benefits. But one thing that is a highly motivating factor for some people is if they hear that their actions are harming themselves or harming others they know, then they will feel a moral imperative to, to, to cease that harm. So, food for thought on climate communications. And we've definitely, we definitely are ending the climate silence here on Your Community Spirit. In other news, EV sales, that's electric vehicle sales, hit a new high watermark, despite low prices of oil and lack of availability. Well, relative lack of availability. (laughs) Electric vehicle sales in the United States just hit a new record. Over 45,000 electric vehicles were sold in the third quarter of 2016. That's up more than 60% from the same time a year ago. This new high comes despite continued lower-than-average oil prices, a factor often cited as hampering EV sales. So in other words, people are seeing that oil is low, which would usually motivate them to stick with gas-powered vehicles, and they're saying, nah, that's okay, I'd rather have electric anyway. Sales of EVs are growing despite the spotty availability of EV models across most of the country and uneven effort from manufacturers in bringing EVs to market. Now, they sort of describe this as if it's some sort of accidental phenomenon, but the people who are selling the gas-powered cars often fight viciously to keep out the electric vehicles and use underhanded methods to do so because they don't want the competition. Some of the manufacturers are going the other route and developing their own electric vehicles, but others are just trying to shut out the market. September 2016 also set a record for U.S. EV sales in a single month, with almost 17,000 sold. Some of the increase in volume came from established EV makers like Tesla Motors and General Motors. Second generation of GM's Chevrolet Volts was released late last year and only became widely available in March. The plug-in hybrid now has over 50 miles of electric range to go with its backup uh, gasoline engine, meaning many drivers can do all of their normal daily driving purely on electricity. GM is selling well over 200 volts a month nationwide. Tesla's all-electric vehicles, the Model S and the Model X, are also pushing sales numbers with the Model S often the monthly sales leader for EVs in the U.S. And they're coming out with their new one, too, that doesn't get figured into the uh, statistics yet because customers don't have them yet, but there are a lot of customers who are already putting down their down payments in anticipation.
let's get into some of these holidays and happenings. We have coming up Bald and Free Day. That's our first holiday on the list here. It's also World Smile Day. So whenever you see someone, you can go and give them a smile. If you're in the mood, you know, it's, it's a consensual smile day. You don't have to smile. But if you're feeling in a good mood, then share your smile with the world. It's also American Touch Tag Day, coming up on Saturday. Sunday is Curious Events Day, Fire Prevention Day, Leaf Erickson Day, and Moldy Cheese Day. That's quite a strange conglomeration of holidays there. Monday, well, I should have fixed this. This one is listed incorrectly in our online calendar. It lists it as Columbus Day. We all know here at Your Community Spirit, it's Indigenous Peoples Day. But it's, it's mistakenly listed here. So Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday. International Newspaper Carrier Day, National Angel Food Cake Day, and Tuesday is It's My Party Day. Uh, Wednesday, here's an important one, Emergency Nurses Day. Now, all, all nurses in general do a lot of hard work. I imagine the emergency nurses are especially faced with a lot of crisis situations. So it's, we, it's a good day to remember them and celebrate the good work that they do. Wednesday is National Fossil Day. It's Wednesday of Earth Sciences Week. Uh, oh, Moment of Frustration Day. <laughs> I wonder why they would make a day to celebrate a moment of frustration. But you can ameliorate it with Take Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. It's the second Wednesday of the month. Now, this one, Thursday, it claims Thursday is International Skeptics Day. I'm a little bit skeptical about that. I'll have to do some research. But it may be International Skeptics Day. There are a lot of big things happening for the month of October. It's Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. It's, let's see, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Computer Learning Month. Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Oh, it's Cookie Month, so it's a month to celebrate eating cookies. It's also National Diabetes Month. National Pizza Month. Oh, there we go. How how did that one not jump out at me sooner? I'm a big pizza aficionado. So there are plenty of wonderful local restaurants where you can buy delicious pizzas. National Vegetarian Month, National Popcorn Popping Month, and uh, Seafood Month. And I think we have a special guest here on the line with us. Can you hear us, Or? Oh, yes, we can hear you. Glad you can make it in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, little Yeah. Little progress bar says four out of ten now, so doing a good job. <laughs> well you called in just in time. We were doing some of the uh we just finished the holidays, talking about the months. This is October is National Pizza Month. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's World Smile Day. I was telling people, you know, we don't want to tell people to smile if they don't want to smile. That's actually a big problem that people often get told to smile when they don't want to. But you can try doing fun things that might make you smile spontaneously. Oh, yeah, like little Bedelia right here. I just have to look over at her watching me do the radio show, and I get a big smile. All right, well, thanks for calling in.
Oh yeah, solar class tomorrow. <laughs> you too. All right, well, thanks for calling in, Or. I'm glad we got to hear from him. We knew he was out there in the field working on solar, but there you have it firsthand. And I'm sure he'll complete that progress bar and get to those 10 panels. <laughs> All right, let's see what some of these other happenings are that are coming up. We have donations for Standing Rock are going from now until October 17th at Guy House Interfaith Center. The group Carbondale Stands with Standing Rock is currently holding a donation drive. Anyone who can donate supplies to the resistance camps may drop their goods off during open hours of the Gaia House, as well as at the Saturday markets when a booth is available. The camps are gearing up for winter. For more information, you can find them on Facebook under Carbondale Stands with Standing Rock. And, yeah, and I've seen them out at booths at events, too, around town. They're doing support work for, we've been talking about the effort to stop the pipeline, the Dakota Access Pipeline that is going through indigenous lands. So they're a group of local people who are showing their support for the struggle to stop that pipeline. see what other happenings we have coming up. Coming up on Saturday, we have the Gaia House Stakeholder Retreat. This is on Saturday at 2.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Gaia House Interfaith Center. This event is an opportunity for everyone to hear the latest news about Gaia House, learn how they can get involved, and share their ideas and visions for the future of Gaia House. They will be exploring practical questions about Gaia House's nuts and bolts of operations and philosophical questions about what Gaia House is and why it's important to the people of Southern Illinois. Um, as you may know, I'm very involved over at Guy House, so I'm excited to see what goes on this weekend at the stakeholder meeting. And e- even, if it's, even if you don't come very often to Guy House, if you just have heard about it, or if you just care about social justice issues and environment issues, and you're looking for a place to work on those, this stakeholder meeting is an opportunity for everyone who has any amount of care about Guy House and the issues it works on. To, to show up, to talk about what they're interested in, learn about what's going on at Guy House, and learn how we can do in the coming year. So that's Saturday, this is coming Saturday, 2.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Guy House, 913 South Illinois, here in Carbondale. Got another event coming up this weekend, Raise the Roof. It's coming up on Sunday at 5 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. This is a fundraiser to replace the roof of the Carbondale Thrift Shop. For over 50 years, the thrift shop has sold items at an affordable cost and supplied clothing and household items for those in emergency need free of charge. Each, each winter, the thrift shop also provides coats to those in need. They do a lot of good work over there, and I've bought stuff there myself. Uh, it, there, there are times when that was the only place I could buy anything, and it was a valuable resource to me. So uh, they are having the event. is the Raise the Roof event on October 9th. It's this coming Sunday. You can also just make a tax-deductible donation to them. They've got a GoFundMe that they're running. But, of course, the event is the fun way to be around people and show your support that way. Sunday, 5 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. 
All right, also coming up, we have Go Granny D. This is coming up on Tuesday at 6.15 p.m. at the Carbondale Public Library. Go Granny D, performed by actress Barbara Bates-Smith and mountain dulcimer musician Jeff Siebens. Never underestimate grannies. At age 90, Doris Granny D. Haddock blazed a 3,200-mile trail across America for campaign finance reform, precipitating the passage of the McCain-Feingold Act. She continued her bipartisan reform efforts in countrywide voter registration drives, issuing her final challenge in 2010 at age 100. Democracy is a running game. You huddle and you go back in. You keep going. This event is co-sponsored by the Jackson County League of Women Voters and the Social Action Committee of the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. It's coming up once again on Tuesday, 6.15 at the Carbondale Public Library. Also coming up, we have Continuing the Conversation. This comes up every Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Newman Center. Each week, a group of community members meets on Tuesday night for Continuing the Conversation. Their purpose is to build an interracial community based on listening respectfully to each other's life stories. As they listen to one another, they will be building a community that strengthens their understanding and compassion for one another. That's coming up on Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Newman Center. And we have time for couple more here. It's about time to hand it off. The Downtown Community Farmers Market. Um, it's going, it's still going in October. It's, it's actually, it's still pretty nice weather out. It's going to get cold soon, but it's going in October. It's Wednesdays from 3 to 6 p.m. on the Downtown Carbondale on the 200 block of Washington Street. That's right outside the door of WDBX right here. It's on, it's between Oak and Jackson Street near the town square. Downtown Community Farmers Market. It's a great time to get fresh local produce, run into people you know around the community, 3 to 6 p.m. on Wednesday. Also coming up next th- Thursday, Campus Lake Challenges and Opportunities on Thursday, October 13th at 7 p.m. at 216 East Monroe Street. Presenter Dr. Marge Brooks, an associate professor of zoology at SIU, investigates how water quality and water temperature change the structure and function of aquatic communities. Her interests include how natural and human inputs of nutrients can change ecosystems for the better by increasing food availability, and also for the worse by promoting cyanobacterial harmful algal blooms, which is what they're dealing with over at Campus Lake, the challenges and opportunities. Thursday, 7 p.m., 216 East Monroe. And not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the new Humanist Forum is coming up at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. Dr. Kim Asner-Self will presents Humanism in Action, Group Counseling in Primary Schools in Malawi. Malawi, one of the poorest countries of the world, has a population of over 200 million, approximately 50% of whom are under 15 years of age. So that is over at the Unitarian Fellowship. All right, it's been another exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirits. Hope you enjoy the wonderful weather. It's at least wonderful out today. It's going to get a little chilly out over the weekend, I believe. But enjoy it while you can, and we'll see you next week on the radio.